In this series that we're calling Radical, it's exactly that. It is radical. I, I want to make you uncomfortable when you come to church. Is that okay? I want to make you go, wait, are you sure you were supposed to say? Yes. If you have a preconceived notion about God, I want you to leave here saying, I heard something different today than I have ever heard my entire life. If you have not experienced the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that you can receive it. And let me say it like this, you should receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that ended at the end of the book of Acts. It's something that is readily available for you because it's not even a something. It is a someone. He is the breath of God invading your life. And God never intended us to be passive in our Christianity. And so this is why we are doing this series. And over the last few weeks, we have dived into the four evidences that we see here described by Jesus in Mark chapter 16. He says this, if you believe, everybody say, if I believe. believe. There are going to be signs that follow you. There's signs that accompany you. The the text that we read says accompany, and this is actually a better translation than saying follow because accompany means that the signs go ahead of us. They actually prepare the way for us. Then when we get where we're supposed to go, the signs surround us. But here's the thing that a lot of believers overlook. That when you leave a situation, the signs that accompanied you remain there and there's residual effect because you are the emissary of God in the situation. And if these signs are not accompanying you, you got to ask yourself a real question. And then Jesus breaks down the evidence He says that in my name, you're going to do some radical things. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to drive off demonic influence. Like, I ain't messing with that. Like, you should mess with that. Because you know people in your life, in your story, who battle depression. You know people in your life who battle with anxiety. You're like, wait, you were talking about demonic influence. Exactly. We call it a sickness so we can pill it up. We call it an emotional problem so we can talk it out. But he says, no, it's demonic influence. And in my name, if you are a believer, you have the power residing within you to literally drive it off. There's evidence that needs to happen. There is reality that needs to happen. You need to understand that you are a blood-bought believer who is filled with the power of Almighty God, the essence of His character. And here's the thing. When demonic influence tries to rain heavy and wreak havoc in your life, you need to stand up with holy boldness and say, He is greater, and because I'm His child, you need to get the blank out of my house. I cleaned that one up for you. I think you can tell the devil to get the hell out of some place. I'm pretty sure you can, but y'all calm down. You can't tell that to anybody else, just the devil. Devil's a moron. So you're going to drive off demonic influence. Then in his name, you're going to speak new languages. There's going to be languages of men that you speak. You're going to say things in languages that people understand that you've never even heard come out of your mouth. Someone will say, man, I'm really going through hell in my life. And you'll say, man, I feel you. And you open your mouth to say something, and all of a sudden God puts some truth, some prophecy in your mouth. You're like, where did that come from? 
That's a new language. That's a language of man that God gives you the ability to speak. But then there are times when you're completely worn out. Anybody been worn out? Anybody feel like you burn out? Everybody feel like you're burnt up? You got to get in your prayer closet and say, Jesus, breathe on me. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. And he starts breathing on you. Next thing you know, he begins speaking through you in a language you can't understand. And this begins to build you up and edify you. Begins to strengthen you, not from something you say, not from your language, not your private prayer language. No, it's his heavenly language praying through you, edifying your spirit. And you leave your prayer closet and you're like, I don't know what just happened, but I got to get some more. And then last Sunday, we got all funky crazy, and we learned about snakes and poison because he says, in my name, if you believe, you're going to pick up snakes with your hands, and you're going to drink poison, and it's not going to do anything to you. And just in case this is your first time and you think that we're that weird, we are not that weird. I ain't touching snakes, let me just tell you. People that touch snakes need Jesus in their life, and we have an open altar. But the snakes and the poison that we have the ability through the power of God to touch are the attacks of the enemy and the curses that people put on us by the negative things they say into our lives. These attack us and inject poison in us and actually begin to change us, our spirit, our soul, and our body. But when this happens, and by the way, if you're here today and you're living under the curse of what somebody else said about you, maybe somebody defined you when you were a child and you've lived under that the rest of your life, let me save you a boatload of money in counseling. All you need is Jesus. Say, Pastor, are you against counseling? Absolutely not. No. Sometimes you got to talk it out. Sometimes you, sometimes you need to sit down and talk to a believer so that believer can say, you don't know who Jesus is. And here's how I know you don't know who Jesus is. You don't know who you are. And you don't know what he's already done for you. So here's the deal. We're going to spend some time talking. You can call it counseling. We call it Bible study. Let me tell you who Jesus really is. Because, my friend, when you get the understanding in your mind of just how great your God is, it doesn't matter what snake attacked you. It does not matter what poison was injected into you. The love of Almighty God begins to come alive in you, and that definition will not harm you if you believe and you live in his name. Amen. If you missed any of those, go to nolachurch.com or go to YouTube, search up Nola Church or grab the podcast. They are all available there. Today we are diving into the fourth evidence that we are believers and I was wondering how we were going to get into this because I knew what God began to do in my life as I prepared for today's sermon. And it's beautiful how God just does his thing. Many of you probably don't know this, but the, the NOLA fam who serve every Sunday to make sure that you have a great experience when you come to the house of God, we come in early. The worship team gets here super early. They run through everything, and we make sure the production is right. We test the live feed. We, we pump all the smoke to make sure it doesn't smell like toenails and stuff and just all this stuff. We, we do the things that we got to do to make sure it's good. But before you ever get here, the entire team who serves comes into this room, and we spend about 15 minutes getting filled up. 
Because when we serve, we have to pour out. If there's nothing to pour out, like we're just running on fumes. And then you walk in and you've had a bad day. Next thing you know, you look on our face and realize we've had a bad day too. And we're all having a bad day together. And that's not a fun and happy day. So we, we want to make sure that we get filled up. So we spend about 15 minutes in worship. And then as soon as we're done, the prayer team comes together. The intercessors and the altar team, they come and they fill this room. But they put on some prayer music. They get the microphone and they just start anointing all this place for about 15, 20 minutes. Today, Jose started off in, like, in his Spanglish way that he talks. He don't even speak Spanish, but he just like makes up a few words. He was praying and just praying, anointing, and then then he did the thing you're not supposed to do. You're not ever supposed to pass the mic to Mama Pam. All bets are off at this point. It doesn't matter if you have an order or not. When Mama Pam gets the mic, she's going to start declaring and preaching. and She just went to town. I was like, whoa, I don't know if I need to preach or we need to say, let's just stay here. And God began to invade. I was like, how are you going to do this? And then I began to see why he led us to this place and the the illumination that he gave me for today. You see, the fourth evidence is that if we believe, everybody say if, and we are operating in his name, a believer's responsibility is to place our hands on someone who is sick. And Jesus doesn't stutter. He says, they will be well. So today I'm talking about radical evidence, hands of restoration. That sounds like a sign language troupe that would do worship back in the old school Pentecostal days with a black light and white gloves. Hands of restoration. If you didn't grow up in that, you, you are blessed bad choreography. It's just bad. But anyway, so hands of restoration. Let me dive into this. If we truly believe, if we truly believe. So what does that mean? We learned in the first week of this series that belief is not simply acknowledging that there is a God any more than life is simply breathing in and breathing out. That's a byproduct of life. Does that make sense? Acknowledging that there is a God is a byproduct of belief. But real belief is is summed up in three words. Trust, rely, obey. Trust, rely, obey. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, T-R-O. If you truly believe, if you are a T-R-O believer, feel like I'm at a self-help convention for $16.95, you can get four packages. Never mind. If you are a TRO believer, meaning you trust in Jesus, you rely on Jesus, and you are obedient to Jesus, not you acknowledge Jesus. If you trust him, if you rely on him, meaning he is your source, not yourself, and you obey him, Even if you don't understand. He said, walk. I'm tired. He said, walk. Are we willing to obey him to go where he wants us to go? Or have we gained a place of comfort? 
Because if we believe and we are operating in and through the authority of his identity, his name, we have the authority to place our hands on sick people and they will be well. But you're not supposed to touch sick people because you'll get sick. This is true. Unless you have belief and unless you are operating in authority. If you're not operating in authority, you will get sick. But if you have authority and you're in authority and you're walking through authority, when you place your hands on the sick, they will be well. There was a spattering of response as the crowd was not quite sure if they really believed what the pastor was saying. Because here's the reason this happens. That's great, Pastor. Thank you for reminding me of this. If I lay my hands on the sick, they will be well. But what if they don't? What, what, if, what if they don't get well when I pray? I think I would rather not. I, I think I'm going to go do something else now. I think I'm going to go get in my corner and just worship, do my little worship thing, and I'm going to let somebody else step out there on the ledge, that precipice of faith, to go touch sick people because I know what I did. I know what I was thinking five minutes ago. Am I sure that God wants to use my hands? Right? Am I the only one that thinks like this? Like, I'm the pastor, and I'm thinking, like, somebody wants me to pray for him. I'm like, Whoa. Not really sure I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> Pastor Matt, Pastor Alicia, why don't y'all gather up the prayer team and head on over there and pray for them? You know, because if I pray and it doesn't happen, they're going to leave the church and we're in expansion, you know. We, you know. Like, I'm just being real. What if I pray for them and nothing happens? What if I command in the name of Jesus every demon of hell flee and the demons go, whatever. Because <laughs> here's the deal, y'all. We acknowledge that he is. We acknowledge that he is, but we're not sure if he's going to back up our actions. We believe-ish. Lord, I believe. We're, we're like that man that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief too. Like, there's a, there's a part of me, just in case I want to cover myself, I believe in you, Jesus, but just in case, make sure there's another believer close because <laughs> they some sick people and they need someone to pray for them. And we're, we're not really sure if he's going to back up our actions, especially when it comes to praying for people in person. Our brother or sister is at home this week and they are sick with Rona and everything else that is going around and they need us to pray. Great. Got it. Pray. In Jesus' name, bless them at their house, Lord. No, I came to church today and I can't even walk because I am hurting so bad. 
I have a disease that has been ravaging my body for my entire life and it's getting to the place that I'm either going to have to have surgery or I'm going to have to get on some mind-altering drug that changes who I am and I'm not sure that I want to do that. Hey, I, I am living with depression. Can someone pray for me? Yeah, go on home and we'll pray for you. Because in person there's an expectation of healing. And we get nervous when we get into that radicalism because that ain't supposed to happen anymore. We're supposed to be like touchy-feely church. Everybody's comfortable. Everybody's welcome. Chai tea's in the lobby. I don't even know if they serve that. Noah, if you serve chai tea lattes in cherry bombs, stop. Like, we want to see God move. And we believe that he did, but we're not sure if he will now, especially if we're involved. Am I being too real? So here's the deal. Here's what Christians do. I've been around this my whole life. I'm fifth generation Pentecostal preacher on both sides of my family. Let, let, let me interpolate that for you. That means I'm one screwed up individual. And I know how to fake it very, very well. I'll shonda Bahia all over you. You mess with me, I'll be like, I rain down fire. Ha! Get ready, get ready, get ready. I can do it. But here's what we do. Here's what we do. Y'all, y'all ready? Here's what we do. There's somebody sick. Let's pray for them. Let's, hey, let's pray. God's moving. Sunday, oh, God's moving. Let's pray for him. Come on, let's get around him. Let's pray. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. Ah! And the person that's sick goes, ah. And nothing happens. And here's what the church does. You just don't believe We blame the person who's sick that they're not better. Or we make the miraculous fit our doubt. God has begun a work. And over the process of time, I know that you rolled in here in a wheelchair or you rolled in here with depression so bad you can't even see straight. But over the process of time, God will take you gently and lift you to cloud 17. We make the miraculous fit our doubt because we really don't believe that God can heal like that. And then we just continue on with church as usual. More smoke, please. Can we do that song one more time? They're praying now. One more. I'm not making fun. I'm peeling back the layer of fake church. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of patty caking for Jesus. I'm sick of being a house where sick people come, sit, and leave still sick. Like, we're going to start a healing ministry? Yes. Welcome to the first day of healing ministry at NOLA Church. Here we go. Let, let me say it like this. If the people we're praying for don't get healed, it's not their fault, nor their belief that's in question. It's ours. Jesus did not say, 
If you believe and you're in my name and you pray for someone who believes, they will be well. No, he, he said this. If you believe, T-R-O, trust, rely, obey, and you are in my name, meaning you have his authority, and you go pray for somebody, he doesn't say they might. He says they will. And he says that sign will follow them who believe. Is the sign following us? Is the sign following me? Because here's the deal. Signs should accompany us. They should go before us. They should come around us. And when we leave, they should stay where we've been. But if they don't, we don't believe. Is this too, is this too real? If the signs are not there, we don't believe. If you walk outside and it's not raining and the meteorologist says 100% chance of rain, it's still not raining because the sign is not there. But if you believe and if you have authority and you are operating in the authority of Jesus and you are operating under the authority of Jesus, when you place your hand on the sick, they will recover. If they don't, you don't need to throw religion at them. You need to go find an altar and say, what did I do wrong? I'm being very redundant because I want you to get this. If we believe, everybody say if. T-R-O. Thank you. That's our part. Our part is to believe. If we believe, if we are T-R-O, his authority will accompany us and actually do the work. There's the evidence. The reason we don't need to get hung up as to whether or not God will operate through us is because it's not us doing the work. It's God doing the work. Is he God or is he not God? Let me submit this to you. If our God can't do it, why don't we get another God? Because the God we have sucks. Because he says one thing and then he does something else. Or is it possible that he is waiting on us to trust, rely, obey, and submit to his authority so that he can do the work through us? Our part is to believe. His part is to do the work. The problem is... We try to do the work, and when it doesn't work, we get scared and doubtful. This okay? Break the scripture down. He says, you're going to place your hands on the sick. Most translations say lay hands on the sick. Let me, let me just break it down. This is not a call for random touching. Random touching. You know, that's not any iCarly fans in the house. Just me and my girls. That's okay. We know good TV when we see it. It's not a call for random touching. Everybody's like, who's iCarly? It's okay. The problem is the church goes around touching everything.
We got spiritual OCD. I got to touch it. It's not random touching. It's actually a call to arms. And we don't understand it because we don't spend enough time here. We spend more time here. Inviting demonic influence. So here's the deal. A TRO believer's hands, everybody hold your hand up and do this. Spirit fingers. Wow. Wow. I, I, I don't even know where that came from. Pray, church. There is no telling what's coming out. A TRO believer's hands. Everybody say, my hands. Become the weapons that God uses against the enemy of sickness. I'm, I'm going to show it to you here. Random touching by believers desensitizes all of us to the power of healing that is supposed to be evidenced in our hands. Okay? I want to make sure you got it. Random touching by believers desensitizes us to the power of healing that is supposed to be, supposed to be, evidenced in our hands. Like, am I like a Marvel character and like... I'm like Wanda and Vision. I can like... No, that, 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 no that, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about a superpower. He's talking about the evidence of his power through your submission to his authority. Him operating in you and through you, going ahead of you, coming along beside you, and then when you leave, the power still remains. But this becomes the weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. What are your hands doing? What are, what are we doing with our hands? Are we misusing them? Here's, here's what happens. We desensitize ourselves to the power of the touch of a believer when we just go around touching everybody. Let's pray together. You're going through something. Love you. I'm going through hell, but I came to church today. Man, it's so good to see you. I, y- y- y'all tracking with me? We're desensitized. So now there's no longer any expectation that the sick can get healed because I'm just so used to touching you. You say, well, touches bring comfort. You're absolutely right. Touches do bring comfort. Talk to anyone that spends any amount of time in counseling. They'll, they'll tell you this. They'll, they'll tell you that when, when you're talking with someone, it's good sometimes to place your hand on their shoulder or occasionally grab their hand. The reason, it is comforting. And when someone is comforted, they, they reposition themselves mentally and emotionally to be able to receive what you're saying. It's a very effective tool, and it is beneficial. Touching is very beneficial except when it desensitizes us 
to a healing touch. Because here's the deal. A comfort will not heal you. It will only comfort you. When you're sick, you don't need comfort. You need healing. See the difference? Look at your neighbor and go. Only four of you did that, but that's okay. Here's the deal. We've made the miraculous so common because we've gotten so relational that we just go around touching people. Oh, touch, 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 touch. touch. I'll be a good televangelist. Just touch yourself. Okay, okay. Let's break it down even further. Let's get into the altar. Oh, I got to pray for everybody. No, you do not. Because you may be comforting them when they need healing and you don't have any authority. Because you're not operating under authority and you don't know what's in them and you walk over to comfort and whatever's in them jumps on you. You got to be careful. This is a weapon. It's a weapon. It's a weapon that can be used against you if you misuse it. It can turn around on you if you misuse it. We don't see miracles because we touch people for our benefit, not his. I'm spiritual. From now on, y'all can call me Prophet Bishop. I have a title. I'm getting a bus on my own TV show. You want me to touch you. I love you, Renzo. Be blessed. And I can go through all the gyrations and ain't nothing going to change in his life because all of that mess was for me, not him. Notice that the benefit is not even for the sick person. It's all for Jesus. Well, the sick people just need us to serve them. No, they need us to heal them. Jesus said greater things than I'm doing, you will do. When's the last time you did something greater than Jesus? Heck, when's the last time I did something greater than Jesus? Is this okay? We don't see miracles because we're doing it for our benefit. We should do it by his authority, with his authority, in his authority, and for his glory. When we do it that way, miracles happen. When we do it like that, miracles happen. Because, see, at that point, it's not about us. I don't need you to think I'm spiritual because I walk through the altar touching everybody. I don't need you to think that I'm blessed because I walk through the lobby touching. Or I went through the world that I live in just touching. God bless you. Your world's falling apart, but God bless you. Oh, yeah, God bless you. Your marriage is falling apart. God bless you. Your kid committed suicide. God bless you. Your kid got arrested. Your spouse is strung out on, jug, on drugs. God bless you. What good does that do just touching? 
It may bring momentary comfort, but it's not bringing healing. And God said, I want you to be the emissaries of my power and I want to overshadow you with my authority and I want to trust it to you and then I'm going to plant you in the middle of a hurting, dark, sick world. Not for you to go, ew, how sick. I want you to walk through and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. It's time for the church to get radical. So I'm I'm going to break this down for you. I don't normally get into like word studies and stuff in the pulpit. I, I do this in my own life when I'm studying and things. And I, I encourage people, go do word studies. Be careful. you got to understand how the languages work. They did not speak English in the Bible, no matter what your Bible says. They, they didn't. And ancient languages don't line up with our language, especially Louisiana English. We're not even sure it's English all the time on today. So I'm going to break down four words for you. The, the first word, place hands on. Place hands on. In the original language, this is the phrase lay on. I'm not going to try to say it, but it's there on the screen for you. Good luck with all that. Here's what it means, to actively touch not randomly touch, to actively touch, meaning there is an intentional action involved in the touch. It's more than just a brush up. This means when I touch you, there is work to be done. Or to aggressively attack or assault. And old school Pentecostals are like, yeah, that's how you pray for somebody. You aggressively attack their forehead. Ah! That's not what it means. So chill out. Take your crazy pills and calm down. So lay on. I'm going to actively engage in contacting you, aggressively attacking or assaulting, dot, dot, dot. Hands. These are involved in this text. Hands. Again, you say that if you want to. Here's what this means. To help. To uphold or preserve Literally symbolizing God's might. If I believe and I'm in authority, this is not my hand. This is the physical representation of the mighty power of the almighty God. Sick. We got to learn about sick. Means without strength. It means wick. Uh, weak or sick. Like they got redundant in that definition, but it's odd that you can define sick as sick, but whatever. You know. Smart people know far more. They're the one who wrote the dictionary, but okay, but in this context, you have to understand this. This is an all-encompassing terminology for the word sick. This is not talking about only people who have a disease or some physical malady. This is all-encompassing. Spiritual sickness, emotional sickness, or physical sickness. And we have to understand, we live in a day and age that emotional sickness is at a higher level than it has ever been. And it's not going away with us patty caking for Jesus and worship will not take it away. 
Some things have to be walked through because there are layers of gunk on top and the person may not know exactly what the emotional problems are that they are dealing with. They may not understand that it's sickness. They may think that that's who they are and meanwhile they're sick because something happened to them when they were a child or something happened, a leader messed them up or another person they cared about messed them up or maybe they just made some bad choices and their emotions got hardened. It's real and the church has got to stop ignoring it. But sickness encompasses spiritual sickness, emotional sickness, and physical sickness. God does not look at any one of them as being more powerful or more impactful. He says, it's all the same. It's all sickness, and I've got authority over all of it. Now, the last word, the word recover. In the text that we read, it says, they will be well. Most translations translate that phrase to the word recover. And that, that word actually makes sense here. It means to be well, to restore, to original state. Here's the problem with using the word recover through the lens of North American English and modern nomenclature. We think of recovery as being a stepped process. But in biblical terminology, recovery literally means restoration. Restoration does not mean you're sick and now you no longer have a dribble. That's not restoration. Restoration does not mean you got abused and now you don't talk about it anymore. That's not restoration. Restoration doesn't mean that you misunderstood something about God and now you read the Bible through every year. That's not restoration. Or you attend church regularly. That's not restoration. Restoration is when God invades your reality and takes you back and turns your life around and returns you back to what you were before He ever said, let there be light. He returns you back to original design. What is original design? It happened long before original sin. We focus on original sin way too flipping much. We need to get back to the fact that our God wants to take us back to a place of original design where he said, you were in my mind before I created anything. In fact, I spoke it into existence so I could do amazing things in you and through you. You see, you were in the mind of God before you were ever hurt. You see, you were in the mind of God before that cold or that pandemic ever hit you. You see, you were in the mind of God before the preacher preached false doctrine and you bought into it. You were in the mind of God before you were ever abused. You were in the mind of God before you were ever addicted. And by the power of the Almighty, you are no longer what you were. You're everything that He says you are. Why are they so excited? We got a church full of restored people. We don't have a church full of former anything. We've got a church full of restored people. I was, but I'm not anymore. I'm a child of God. Greater is He.
So let, let, let me, I, I got to give this to you. Arlene, put this on the screen. I'm going to read it because I don't want you to miss any part of this. Through his authority, a T-R-O, trust, rely, obey, believer, will place their hands, the tool Jesus will use to help uphold, preserve, through his mighty ability on the sick person to aggressively assault the sickness, not the person, chill Pentecostals, the sickness that steals the strength and the person who is sick will be well and will be restored to original design. That's Bible. I said it in the Monty Young Living Translation, which is a rough paraphrase. Do not base your life upon the words that he says. But that's the word of God. If I believe, if I trust, rely, obey, and I have authority, and I am under authority, and I am in authority, which means the power of Almighty completely surrounds me, and I am filled to overflowing with everything that he is in his name. Y'all with me? If that's the case, and I come in contact with someone who has a spiritual sickness, an emotional sickness, or a physical sickness, regardless of what it is, because I am a believer and I am in authority, I have evidence in my life and I can pray for you and I can aggressively attack the spiritual, emotional, or physical sickness with the mighty power of God when I place my hand on you. 